I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as promised, uh, I want to talk about the angry American. It's a myth, it's not a thing. Uh, a lot of people talk about it in those terms, especially uh, in the current state of the country with a lot of unrest going on. Uh, but I am here to tell you that Americans are not an angry people. We get angry. We get mad. We get frustrated. Uh, but then we want to move on and we want to move forward because we recognize that just wallowing in the anger, angst, fear, frustration uh, is no path forward. And so we, we have that. We experience that. We, we, we yell, we shout, we protest, we complain, we, we do all of those things. And then we say, OK, where are we? Where do we want to go next? And then what are we going to do to get there? Uh, I'm going to share with you some uh, really interesting polling from Gallup that showed this very phenomenon happening uh, that we, we get angry. Uh, in fact, let me share just a little bit of it. Uh, let's talk about anger specifically. So Gallup asked if uh, these participants in this survey, if they had experienced anger a lot of the day yesterday. So whatever the yesterday was. So the first uh, section they did this on was May 25th to uh, May 31st. And as of the 31st, uh, most Americans, only about 25% of them said they had felt a significant amount of anger during the day. Then as the unrest rose and some challenging situations continued to mount here in the United States uh, during the period of June 1st to June 7th. So by June uh, 7th, the I felt anger a lot today went from 25 percent all the way up to 38 percent. Americans were clearly angry. They were frustrated. They were worried. They had sadness. Uh, all of those spiked up by 13 points. And then what happened? By June 8th to the 14th, so by June 14th, it had basically gone back to normal. It had dropped back to 27% of people said, I felt a lot of anger today. And that's typically how all Americans, it goes across every political spectrum, racial spectrum, economic spectrum, education spectrum, Everyone seems to follow the same pattern. We get angry, we get frustrated, we feel that emotion, and then it subsides and we try to move on. We try to do something different. We try to take positive action. And to me, that's the key to all of this. That's the key to all of this is it's okay. Anger, angst, frustration, those are all real emotions. It's not about denying or suppressing the emotions. It's about what do we do with them. Uh, love Brene Brown. Uh, she talks about... What happens when we just get stuck in the anger, fear, frustration? It usually leads to blame. Here's what she said. But here, if you enjoy blaming, 
this is where you should stick your fingers in your ear and do the na-na-na-na thing because I'm getting ready to ruin it for you. Because here's what we know from the research. Blame is simply the discharging of discomfort and pain. It has an inverse relationship with accountability. Accountability, by definition, is a vulnerable process. It means me calling you and saying, hey, my feelings were really hurt about this and talking. It's not blaming. Blaming is simply a way that we discharge anger. People who blame a lot seldom have the tenacity and grit to actually hold people accountable because we expend all of our energy raging for 15 seconds and figuring out whose fault something is. And blaming is very corrosive in relationships and it's one of the reasons we miss our opportunities for empathy. Because when something happens and we're hearing a story, we're not really listening. We're in the place where I was making the connections as quickly as we can about whose fault something was. All right. That's uh, Brene Brown, uh, author, uh, speaker, trainer, uh, and talking about how we, we have to get beyond that. Yeah, it's okay to have all of those emotions, but if we just wallow in the emotions, nothing will change. Because you you can't move forward. And all you're doing is just discharging the anger, fear, and frustration. So what we need to get to is the harder conversations. We need to get transparency. We need to get to accountability. Uh, We actually need to get to places like empathy for someone we disagree with. And as we come down the home stretch in in this primary election season, uh, it's really important for those that we are thinking about electing to higher office, whether that's at the county level, state level, national level, federal level, uh, we need to make sure that we have someone who is actually going to help us move forward and move the conversation forward. Uh, I always say, I I know what you're against. (laughs) Tell me what you're for. I need to know what you're for. And that's what the American people want. Most Americans do not cast a vote for someone because of what they are against. So if you're the Democrats, if you're just uh, running a campaign against President Trump, I don't think that's a winning argument. If you're a Republican and you're just running your race against Nancy Pelosi, uh, that's not a winning argument either. You got to get to what you're for because the American people are not angry by nature. We get angry. We get frustrated. We yell, shout, scream, protest. We do all of that. And that is fine and good. It goes all the way back to our beginning. Boston Tea Party was a good example. We were angry, frustrated. Uh, we'd had enough, and and there it was. But just think about it. If those early colonists had stopped there at protest, what we now celebrate as the Boston Tea Party wouldn't even have been a footnote in history. It just would have been one more angry mob yelling at a big oppressive government. But they didn't. They did the hard work and heavy lifting And it took them 14 years to get from Boston where they were angry and frustrated and protested about what they were against in government to get to Philadelphia and put down in the Constitution, this is what we are for. This is our positive agenda. This is our vision of what we can become. And every candidate has to do that. I know what you're against. That's easy. Any voter knows that. We all know that. But give me a vision. Give me a Philadelphia vision. We've had enough of Boston. Boston's important. You always have to be willing to stand up and speak out and even stand alone at times. Uh, but you got to have a Philadelphia vision of what are you for? And think about it. 
the Constitution lays that out. We haven't lived up to it in a lot of different spaces and places, but it is a vision of this is what we're for. This is what we believe in in this country. And until we make sure that all of our elected officials are held accountable with transparency and accountability, not just for what they're against, we get the political battles, but it's really easy to gin up anger, fear, and frustration and raise a lot of money off it as a wedge issue. Remember, if we want to bridge the divide, we have to not pound the wedge deeper. We have to remove it, and we've got to be committed to do that. And the only way you do that is by having honest conversations, removing the wedges of division, and then you can bridge that divide, and then we can get to Philadelphia where that positive vision of what we can become in this country can actually happen. All right, time for us to step aside. When we come back, very pleased to be joined by Representative Chris Stewart, uh, one of the great thinkers, great patriots, and great Utahns. He's up next on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.